Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with our wrestling coach, my friend, and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Irish, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So, your homily last week really got me thinking a lot about uh, the word commitment. What does it mean? What is the importance and value of commitments in life? Uh, I've got to think about what am I really committed to? What should I be committed to? Should uh, you be committed? Should I be committed? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people have asked me that, actually. How have my commitments or lack of commitment affected me in my life? And so I, I thought, Father Len, it might be good for us to grapple with commitment today, this idea of commitment and and that kind of thing. I thought that might really be helpful to our listeners. Oh, great. Well, uh, since you mentioned the Sunday, I'll tell the story again about Bo Eason, who I just love as a speaker. I love his book. He wrote this book called uh, There Is No Plan B. But he tells a story for years. He was on the team Houston Oilers, and then he gets traded to the 49ers, and he considers Jerry Rice the greatest football player of all time. So he gets traded, and so Bo decides he's going to show up an hour and a half early for practice because he made this promise since he was a kid that if he ever became a professional football player, he would be the first one on the field and the last one on the field. So when he was at the Oilers, he was always the first one on the field. So he gets traded, and the first day of uh, training, he shows up early, as always, and he walks out, no one's there, and he's, yep, did it again, I'm the first one here, and he looks over, and holy cow, Jerry Rice was already there on the field, and he was shocked, because Jerry Rice, you know, he considers the greatest football player of all time, and he says, shouldn't a lesser player or somebody who's just scrambling to stay on the team have showed up early? Not the greatest player ever first on the team. And he tells the story that during the warmups, he says, Joe Montana's there and there's 16 receivers lined up to catch the passes ball. from Joe Montana. Yeah. Right. And so Joe Montana just glides the ball to the first receiver and they catch it and watch it walk it back to Joe Montana and then walks back in line. And then the next one jogs out and he glides the ball right to him and he catches it and walks it back, walks back in line. And then Jerry Rice gets up and Bo is really interesting. Like this is going to be interesting. And Jerry just bolts and Joe Montana puts some spice on the ball and bam, he is off and running and he catches it. And then he turns around and starts running a hundred yards to the end zone. And Bo is thinking, where the heck is he going? He runs to the end zone, then runs back, runs the ball, clear to Joe Montana, and then gets back in line. And he keeps doing this over and over and over again. So after a couple hours, Bo says to Jerry, why, why, why do you do that? You know, why, why are you doing that? And Jerry has this great line where he says, because I made this promise that whenever these hands touched a ball, this body would end up in the end zone. And he said, that's, a, that's are, awesome. I love I know, that. That's a great line. 
And he says, there are no excuses. There are no accidents. Never, never, never. There's only commitment. And so just being on the same team as Jerry, Bo said his commitment level gets turned up. It changed everything. So just being around somebody whose commitment level is turned up that high, Bo says mine gets turned up. And here's the really amazing thing. Bo said that it not only turned up his commitment to work out, it changed everything. It turned up his commitments on everything, how he approaches his marriage, how he approaches his kids. And Bo says, if I ever turn down the volume on commitment, that is on me. And so I just love that insight that, wow, commitment breeds commitment and indifference breeds indifference. You're either turning up the volume or you're turning it down and you're turning it up on everything. And there's two types of commitment, the even if commitment or as the, or the as long as commitment. The even if commitment is even if there's trouble, if there's hardship, if there's cancer or sickness, I show up. The long as commitment is, well, as long as I feel like it, as long as there's not like a better TV program going on. And I know a lot of people who say that they're commit committed. Like I know one priest who he's a good guy, but I'm always kind of shocked at how low his commitment level is. He says he's committed. He believes in love and the people. And as long as there's not a better TV program going on, uh, that's a, as long as, or even if commitment is somebody in the Bible, I think the greatest is really the Old Testament is the book of Ruth, where Ruth's husband has died. She's in poverty. Her mother-in-law is in poverty and her mother-in-law is going to go back to Israel. And Ruth is not Hebrew. And Ruth says, where you go, I will go. And the mother-in-law warns her that nothing good is ahead. It's going to be poverty and hardship. People will hate you. There's racial prejudice. And Ruth gives this great speech that even with all that, I will keep my vow. Where you go, I will go. And I, I, it's, it's a great speech. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. And there's some people I've met in life that I, I'm just odd with. And that's why like, I love Bo's book, There Is No Plan B told the story that a while ago I had this wedding at another church, which I really don't like to do, but I guess <laughs> I am more than busy. I'm overworked here, but so I have to show up early. Cause but I, you're committed fatherland. Well, I should be committed, but I, so I had to show up early cause it's a half an hour drive and I'm just sitting outside the church and this Basque woman is walking in. I don't know who the heck she is for madam, but Anyhow, she asked what I'm doing here, which I love being interrogated by old Basque women. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm here for a wedding. And she's so sweet. She'll pray for the couple, she says. So I said, oh, so you're married? And she says, no, no, I'm, I'm widowed, but we were very committed. And she said, we were like geese. And then she jokes and says, my husband knew that the only way out of this marriage was in a coffin. <laughs> and I, I love that, but... I love how the fact that she speaks about her commitment and she hopes this young couple have commitment because nothing is easy for the unwilling and commitment in one area of our life. It turns it up in all places. 
And the odd part is commitment is so hard and yet it leads to happiness. And I'm not just saying that, like they've actually found that. One of the sociologists who I really, really love is Dan Gilbert. Anything he puts out is thoughtful and deep. And years and years ago, he did this study on commitment. He was quite young and he was just doing research. And he was young and he was living with the love of his life and they're just living together. They weren't married because, you know, who needs a piece of paper? And he went off on all that. And so uh, he does this long-term research on commitment. And he found out people who actually make commitments turn out happier. Their marriages are happier. Their lives are happier. It's harder, but they're happier. And after all this overwhelming research, he's a great scientist. He comes home to his live-in girlfriend and he says, we will be getting married. <laughs> we I love that. Married. I know. And he said, you know, life, he's an older man now. He says, life did turn out fine. Yeah, well, it was you... hard, but we are happier. And all the evidence is commitment leads to happiness. You know, um, it, no. it seems like, you know, you're talking about marriage and looking around that we, we're in this uh, totally low commitment world at the moment. You know, a lot of young people don't want to get married. They don't want to make that commitment. Or if they do get married, uh, it's like a disposable commitment. You know, you go, well, this isn't working so good. You know, we grew yeah. apart or whatever. And and it really, it it. And this is one of the things that your homily, when you started talking about commitment, and I, you know, I met my wife in high school, and we married when we were like twenty-one or something, and uh, quite young, immature, and really, in in reflecting on my marriage, if my wife hadn't been committed to it we probably wouldn't be married now and we certainly wouldn't be as happy as we are we're total opposites and i was very I know, she's such a nice person <laughs> she totally is but you know i i made life a living hell for her in the beginning and and i i was unhappy cuz i was so selfish i wanted to you know spend all my time uh making myself happy and she stuck with it, and I mean, it it just is amazing, and it's, it, it, you know, it's brought us together, it's caused me to mature and grow, and I mean, she had to have the patience of Job and whatever to get through it, and it's it's very cool, and you just don't you, see that much now. You know what I find amazing about that is, in this Dan Gilbert study, he did find that commitment leads to more happiness, but simultaneously, it leads to more suffering which I think is really interesting, more happiness, but also it's the uncommitted that don't suffer a lot of pain. It's the committed who are willing to suffer, but end up happier. And I know this sounds awful, but you, I'm sure you heard the stats that people who live together before marriage have doubled the divorce rate. And I've heard I that. You know, the divorce rate's already 50%. And if divorce is... <laughs> one of the most painful things you'll go through in your life, why wouldn't you make sure you did it right? And so just that stat made no sense to me because it seems, well, if you live together, then logically, you know, you know more about the person, it's a more informed choice, but they've actually found the opposite. And I never made sense of that until, and this is embarrassing, but it was on the Oprah show, I think, 
and I, I, I don't really watch it, but I had to watch that one because I was always curious about that. And what I thought was interesting is that she had on these couples that on their first marriage, they lived together and then they got married, didn't work. The second show is people who were going to get married again, except this time they refused to live together. And one guy just put it so succinctly where he said, you know, I tried that on my first marriage and you can't ease into commitment. Either you're committed or you're not committed. And so the second time I get married, this time I want it to work no matter what. You simply have to jump in. Because if you enter in thinking, well, if things get difficult, I'll back out. Then you'll back out eventually because every life is always difficult. But if you jump in saying, no, we're going to stick together, you have a greater chance of actually sticking together. So living together, it's kind of sliding into the commitment rather than deciding a commitment. Yeah, you know, you, if you just slide into it, you're less likely to stick it out. And I think the same way Bo said, if you turn up the volume on your commitment, all your commitment increases. But I do think you're right. We live in a world where commitments are very low. Commitment to the community, I think, is very low. You know, there's a old Russian proverb, if you chase two rabbits, you'll catch neither. And (laughs) (laughs) you have to go one way or another, but even like commitment to a community. I mentioned this before. They've done studies. Commitment in American society just to the community is down. It's more about what's, what about me? And the ancient Romans called this public virtue where you put the well-being of the whole community above yourself. And now you only see it in exceptions. You see it in, um, like I, our parish seems to be filled with a lot of ex-military. And talking to them sometimes, like in war, they would go back for each other. You know, they will risk their lives for each other. Or Shaq, our facility manager here, he's a former Marine. I'm just amazed. We have, for some reason, a lot of Marines here. This one guy had just moved out here, younger guy, former Marine, and Jack has his Marine sticker on his truck. And he, he says when they're talking, he says, hey, brother. And he used the word brother. And I just kind of thought, wow, they had never met each other before, but there's already this underlying commitment. You find it in our society, but with exceptions. And people who have lower commitment also have lower control of, over their egos. If we lower our the volume on our egos, die to a little selfish narcissism, I think we put other people in front of us. Or I'll never forget when I was at St. Mark's, even commitment to our kids, I think has gone down. Because like, you know, when it says to honor, what is honor? Honor is fulfilling our commitments to our relationships. And I'm always amazed at the mother who honors her children by sacrificing so much, sacrificing by even letting them struggle, not remove their problems for them. But when I was at St. Mark's, I'd greet people at the door as they're leaving mass. This really weird thing happened where this mother and the grandmother stopped to talk to me. And I knew who the grandmother was. And the mother says, you know, do you mind we, if, I asked you a question because we're in this argument. And she said, my mother thinks I'm wrong and we just want your opinion. And so I said, well, what's, what's the argument? And she said, well, 
I have the chance to go for a month in the Caribbean and live with my boyfriend. And my mother thinks that's wrong, but shouldn't life make you happy? Shouldn't I do what makes me happy? And then she says that after that, because I can guess agree with that, she mentions that she has a young kid and she wants to uh, have her mother take care of the young kid for a whole month so she can go off with her boyfriend. And of course, I, wow, that is shockingly selfish. Like you're going to abandon your kid for your boyfriend for a month. Like I, I, I was just surprised that she thought my mentality would be what you have to do with makes you happy (laughs) and not about the kid. And so I just find like our commitment level, I think as a society for each other, for our kids, for everything is really kind of low. And here's a little Bible symbolism for you. The number seven in the Bible, it means commitment. Technically it means a a covenant or an oath. But a covenant is a commitment. So every time the number seven comes up, it's really a code word for a complete commitment. In fact, in Hebrew, how you say covenant is literally, quote unquote, to cut seven. That's why the number seven keeps coming up constantly in the Bible. The place where Abraham makes his first promise is called the well of seven. Then he sacrifices seven sheep. There's seven days in creation on the seventh day we make this commitment to god and each other noah sacrifices seven animals every day and renews a covenant every seven days uh seven just keeps coming up over and over and over there's seven parts to the temple there's seven speeches from god about the temple uh seven days a week you pray the shema i'll go on forever there's seven sacraments but The number seven means commitment. And so like in the Catholic Church, we have seven sacraments. And they're really commitment ceremonies. And the word sacrament, actually, it's a Greek word that means oath. Now, we chose that word for the sacraments, this Greek word for oath, because actually it referred to a military custom that you would make your sacrament this oath of allegiance where you're promised to give your whole lives for this kingdom and for um, your fellow soldiers. So a soldier made his sacrament, which was a pledge to serve the empire. So Christians, they use the word sacrament because you're pledging this service, not to the emperor, but to the kingdom of God and to other people. And since a person makes a commitment at baptism and confirmation and marriage, the early Christians chose to use this word for the seven covenants of the church. Technically, if you read the New Testament, they should be called mysteries. But they chose the word sacrament because they like this idea of commitment. And even the word amen, amen, it does mean I believe, but you'd have to translate it more in the modern language as I commit. Worship is gathering together together to commit yourselves to other people, to God, to love, especially, you know, also the weak and the poor. Worship for us is not entertainment. It's not theater. Worship is actually this commitment ceremony. That's what it always is. Whether it's a marriage or a baptism or the Eucharist, 
we're praying to be these living sacraments, be, um, these living commitments, because God is commitment. God you know, is commitment himself. You know, this whole idea of commitment, to me, one of the things you're committing to, really, because commitment is tough. I mean, it's like like Jerry Rice. How did he get to be the best wide receiver in football? You know, he, he would run to the end zone every day in practice where the other guy would catch the ball and then walk it back to the quarterback. Yeah, so um, commitment always has more pain, more suffering it, involved. It does. It, I mean, there, there's always suffering, but like, you know, what what I've learned is that on the other side of suffering is really good. You learn something about yourself. You achieve something that makes you feel good about, you know, a relationship that you've kept or created. The suffering, it, it, it's just, uh, it's enlightening, it's strengthening, and going through it is really hard. Yeah. But once you get through it, my goodness sake, the benefits are so huge. And you don't suffer if you don't commit. I, that that's that's the thing that I've learned because I I think I was probably a guy that was always low on commitment, you know I'd say I was committed but you know then the first time I run into something that's really difficult I go well you know that's not that important I'm going to run over here and commit to this tomorrow. My happiness is what's most important. <laughs> exactly. But the odd part is happiness and suffering go together. Dan Gilbert is right, or I, Bo and Jerry Rice that no suffering, training, hardships, that goes with happiness and success. So. I love it. Well, Father Lynn, I, I, uh, I hope that this has gotten people thinking about commitments in their life, what they're committed to, uh, what commitment can do for them. It isn't easy. Uh, but I, I think this has a, a, been a really good episode. So uh, I don't know whether you have anything to add, Father Lynn. No, I'm, I'm doing great. So go out <laughs> yeah. there and You're, go, go out, out go, there and get committed. Yeah, get Turn committed. it up. Go, go full volume. <laughs> Crank it up. So we we do welcome your comments and questions here on the Wrestling with God show. Uh, it's easy to get those to us. You just head over to our website. That's wwgshow.com www.gshow.com and you click on the questions button and you'll see all kinds of options there and if you're enjoying the wrestling with god show and uh, we hope that you are uh, please share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe rate and review our podcast at apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life searching for truth and meaning and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.